Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, I'm Mika Simmons, and welcome to the Happy Vagina podcast. Coming up, we have a bonus gala Valentine special with the one and only Laura Whitmore, actress, writer, presenter, and host of Love Island, who is coming on to spill the beans on what really happens in the villa, her thoughts on pregnancy and childbirth in Ireland, and how she keeps her vagina happy. But firstly, I wanted to tell you about a brand I absolutely love, eBloggers. Never heard of them? eBloggers is a sustainable online pre-loved fashion and luxury beauty store selling items from your favourite celebrities and top UK influencers. £140 million worth of clothing is sent to landfill every year in the UK and eBloggers are determined to help reduce the amount of waste by selling on items on behalf of bloggers. Yes, that's right. All those clothes you see your favourite celebrity wear only once are available for sale right now at eBloggers. And to top it off they all go with a donation to charity. To find your number one destination to shop the wardrobes of your favourite celebrities and influencers, go to www.ebloggers.co.uk. That's www.ebloggers.co.uk. Happy Vagina, where we shame bust thoughts and feelings around all things sex, gynaecology, and female body judgment. We share honestly about our experiences so you can do the same, leading to better health, better sex, and better lives. Just when you thought the season was over, we've got a gala Valentine special for you. I'm Mika Simmons, we are at the court, and today on the Happy Vagina, I have got Laura Whitmore, super talented actress, writer, presenter, currently host of Love Island. Is there anything that you can't do, Laura? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Good. Get here on time. <laughs> I brought my dog with me today and it's one of those things. I don't even have children yet and I'm like trying to get the dog out the door at the same time and everything. We've got Mick Jagger in the room. Yeah, that Mick is... the dog is here. He's actually been quite quiet, but you might hear him do a little bit. I don't even know where he's gone now. He's somewhere around. If you hear any barking, it's Mick. But we yeah. think we should get Oh, it could be me. It could be. <laughs> we don't know what way this podcast will go. Laura was at the Enemy Awards last night. So yes. barking, yeah. I think There were some barking mad people at the Enemies last night. I think Mick Jagger would be quite a good guest for the Happy Vagina, don't you? I think he doesn't have one, but... Um... He's experienced quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Laura, as you... Are currently the host of Love Island, which, mm-hmm. let's face it, at its core is a game show about love and sex. Mm-hmm. We're expecting high things from you with okay. our vagina mm. quiz. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> I get quite competitive at quizzes, but then I never seem to do well in them. I'm terrible at quizzes. Mm. But these, this is five questions, true or false. Okay. And I've got a really good feeling you're going to do well. Okay. At okay. least one of us has. Question one. Mm-hmm. According to Chris Rock yeah. and Steve Martin, mm-hmm. there were too many vaginas... At the Oscars this year. They couldn't have said that. I'm going to say <laughs> false. False. It is false. Yeah, I said, no way they said that. They got on stage and they said, hmm, something's missing here, isn't it? 
Yes, vaginas. Vaginas. I, I love them. I'm a huge fan of um, Steve Martin from old school days. Yeah, Great he's a actor. super talent. But quite rightly, they said that the vaginas were missing. In the Academy's 92-year history, only five women have been nominated for Best Director. And only one has won, which is Catherine Bigelow. And, and I get it if there's not enough around, but I think when we like when when you look at the films that are being made and you think there are women who are being overlooked, um, I saw N- Natalie Portman wear that coat with all the different names of Wasn't the female. Wasn't that amazing? So, so it's not. Sometimes I, I get it's hard for women in certain roles, especially in like certain industries. I've got friends in the financial district. I've got. Um, uh, actually, uh, a girl I did something with recently was writing an article about scientists. There's not enough female scientists. Mm. It's because they didn't have enough role models or enough, like, mm. they ne- growing up, they didn't realise it was an option. Mm. But I look now and I'm like, there are women out there mm. who deserve to be nominated. Mm. Why is this not happening? What do you think about, um, I love Natalie Portman's coat yeah. as well. She had Greta Gerwig, Lorraine Scafari, Lulu Wang, Marielle Heller, all, mm. all embroidered, if you if you didn't see it and yeah. you're listening, in, inside of her coat to represent the women that, that weren't uh, nominated, that possibly should have should been. Have been yeah. But someone made this suggestion, I think it was another female director, that we should have a separate category for women directors. I'm not sure about that. I don't that. think we need to. I get sometimes in sports, mm. there is physicalities where men are physically stronger mm. in certain things. So, mm. it, you know, sometimes with different sports things, there's a female sports person, a male sports person. But I don't think when it comes to directors that your sex changes anything. I just think it's just trying to get recognised and it's taken so long to get to this stage I'm just really surprised that those women that Natalie, you know, correctly Mm. pointed out weren't nominated. Really Mm. surprised. Mm. Well, you got that question right. Yay! Question two. Also, can I just say, Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers was incredible and how she did not get a nod, I don't understand. I know, that's insane, isn't it? Absolutely insane, I'd agree. Question two. Using super tampons yeah. towards the end of your period oh. could harm your vagina. Oh my god. Um, I'm really worried now because I bet you this could be. Th- no. Because I definitely probably have. Like, I always get paranoid if I'm working and I'm wearing a short dress and mm. you've got your period and mm. stuff like that. So sometimes you're like, let's mm. just shove something really strong up there. Mm. So I would have thought false, but don't tell me it's true. Yeah, it is true. So is I it? Yeah, if you, I get this. At the end of your period, do you ever feel like you're the that the skin is somehow dry? So the tam- yeah, yeah. you can feel the tampon up against the vagina walls yeah. and it feels quite dry. But then do you not get sometimes I get paranoid if I'm working or if I'm on stage that and I like I kind of don't need to wear a tampon because I'm at the end of my period. But I to be safe, I kind of put one up there. I think as long as you take it out as soon as you can and also mm. Obviously, we should be using organic, non-bleach tampons. Yeah. But basically, if you use a very absorbent tampon, so yeah. a super tampon is super absorbent, yeah. then when, when you've got a lighter flow, then the mucous membrane of the vagina starts to dry out because the super absorbency of the super tampon is looking for fluids. Yeah. Oh, so I, it takes it out of the membrane I mean, of the vagina. I didn't know that. And it can lead to abrasions. And I mean, It's I, you so know. hard because you have so many things to think about. Cause I remember using a tampon before, like a regular one, and it wasn't strong enough. Mm. And like I was wearing a dress and it leaked onto my pants. So, yeah. my, so my fear is just yeah. put a super one up there. Yeah, just don't leave it in overnight. Yeah. And change them regularly. You yeah. know, I think that's the answer. And I don't know, maybe use some lubricant. I'm saying that without any knowledge that that's the right thing to do. I'm probably going to get hundreds of emails going, that's a terrible but idea. Raise the question or we yeah. look into it. Yes, please could you get back to me, anyone that knows. Great. Question three. Your vagina gets wetter than you think during sex. I don't think it gets wet. <laughs> wetter than I think. What do I think? Depends I on what... <laughs> Yep, that is true. In addition to the lubricant that happens when you get aroused, which comes mm. from deeper inside the vagina, you have something called the Bartholin's gland. 
fun fact. I wish we learned all this stuff in school. I know, tell Why me about it. it. I, don't, I have no idea about my own body, it's mad. I mean, to be honest with you, I think most of us weren't learning much at school, yeah. but I, I think that... that but this is stuff that we deal with regularly and we don't really understand. I just think that there should be more staggered... For me, one of the things is that you get you get sex education at the time that the, uh, the, the school system thinks it's appropriate for you. Bi- biologically... Um, when you're probably your hormones are changing yeah. and your periods are starting, so they do it, and then you get no more. Yeah, like I think it should be it's staggered an and regular thing as well. Because I think if my teacher, I can't remember the name of my biology teacher, but I think if they you know stood at the top of the class and started talking about the Bartholin gland, yeah. I'd have been like, whatever. You know, I, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd have been interested. interested. And is it something to learn in biology classes or something to learn in sex ed? Do you know why they yeah. two different, very different classes? Yeah. Or at home. My other really big thing at the moment is whether or not parents should be given a kind of you know how when you when you yeah but yeah. but when your kids are turning teenagers yeah. get get them back in yeah get them back into a class like a twelve week course evening course you have to go yeah. and learn how to teach your kids about sex it's so hard though because when you're at the age the last thing you want to do is talk to your parents about sex yeah, probably but no I I was talking to a journalist um, Julia from the Times and she was saying. She's a 13-year-old daughter, but they were watching Love Island together. Aww. And I kind of feel like sometimes... I can't talk to my mum about stuff. Like, now I'm older, I probably can, but back then I couldn't. But ha- watching something like that sometimes can start a narrative. Yeah. To talk about things that you wouldn't normally... You're talking about someone else's love life, or you're talking about someone else's relationship, but it might get you... Like, even there was one of the girls, Rebecca, and she had this patch on her leg, and everyone's like, what is that patch? And it was a contraceptive patch. Oh. But I'd never seen that one before. Oh. Um, I thought it was like a nicotine patch yeah. or something. But, you know, we look at that, and that was a conversation that was started. It's an so, Yeah, so sometimes you just have to change the situation. Sometimes people don't want to sit in a classroom or sit just with their mom in a quiet room. It's, can you watch something on telly or a TV program? Or Sex Education's a great show on Isn't Netflix for learning things. Isn't it amazing? I love it. Yeah. I just think normalising stuff. As much as yeah. we can normalise stuff. Exactly. So, talking about open conversations, it, this, this gland is just at the vaginal entrance and it secretes a tiny amount of fluid just before you orgasm. I think back, like when I first started having sex, I just thought I was wetting myself. Like Did I, you? I thought I was like having a wee. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. Scary, isn't Scary. it? Scary. Yeah. You don't really know what's going on. And as I said, it's your body and you don't have a clue. Yeah. I think it's getting better. Anyway, question four. Could we got a podcast like this? Yes! Uh, question four. Birth control yeah. is free in Ireland. No. No, I'll pay first. It's so false. Yeah, it's so false. Also, every time you go to the GP in Ireland, I, I have to say the NHS is incredible. In Ireland, you have to pay every oh. time you go. So every time I go to the doctors to get a prescription, so say my prescription ran out, it's 70 quid. It's more now, but back when I was in Ireland, like mm. 10 years ago, I had to pay 70 pounds to get a prescription. And then the pill was 12 pound a pack. 70 pounds? Yeah. yeah. And then 12 to get the pill? And 12 per pack. So every six months I'd have to go back. I need to go back and get to get my blood pressure done. I'd pay seventy pounds. That's outrageous. Yeah. That's when I was outrageous. at university, they had a health clinic you could kind of queue and go to, but your regular GP had seventy pounds, twelve quid for the packet of the one that I was using. So as, on a student budget, and then I came over to the UK, and I remember thinking, "Can I? Are you sure? What, mm. what do I have to pay?" Like, no, no, nothing. And then I went in, and they're like, "What? What?" I was trying to give them money. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's like crazy. honestly, everyone's so lucky over here. Well, I mean, obviously the abortion laws have now changed yeah. in Ireland and you can actually access abortion services for free. Yeah. So there is a big movement in Ireland to get Huge. contraception free as well. Yeah. And actually, there, I think the suggestion is that this year, young women in Ireland between 17 and 24 will be allowed to get the contraceptive pill for free or contraception yeah. in general for free. So yeah. that's exciting and changing. 
I just wanted to read a quote to you, actually, because yeah. I, uh, in in reading around this subject mm-hmm. to um, chat with you today, I found this really interesting fact that I didn't know. The quote is: "No woman can call herself free who does not control her own body. A woman must have the fundamental freedom to choose whether she will or will not be a mother, and how many children she will have." Now, that quote is from Margaret Sanger, mm-hmm. who was the woman who uh, pioneered birth control. Mm-hmm. She opened America's first contraceptive clinic. She was arrested. She was uh, she broke the law. She was she was banned from speaking. So she put tape across her mouth and wrote on blackboards to get her speech across. She also actually founded Planned Parenthood, which is a, a global sexual health care um, provider. And she was Irish. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah. Laura's looking at me like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she was Irish. And yeah. the reason that she did it, and I find this very moving, she started her activism because her Irish immigrant mother died after having 11 children. So th- speaking on that, Ireland, it's crazy because it's juxtaposition of all these rules. And I think a lot of it was forced from the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church is such a stronghold. So, um, you know, you couldn't use... The, the church frowned upon condoms mm. and any sort of contraception mm. at all. Um, but then you so you basically had to have babies. So my granny had 13 children. That's mm. normal. Like mm. My mom's the youngest of 13 children. Mm. So I suppose to have sex with your husband um, meant every time like you possibly could get pregnant, which is why there's so many kids. Mm. You, uh, you know, if there, I mean, there were women who got pregnant out of marriage, that was frowned upon. So rather than you didn't have the choice of being able to have an abortion. This is why the mandolin laundries were set up. So they ended up going there and had their babies removed from them, taken from them, no choice. And I just, when I look back and I look at the history and I think of so everything. So what is the mandolin laundry? Uh, yeah, so basically. What they, is that? So it was just all these young girls were sent there where there was like a lot of nuns running it and um, they quietly had these babies and the babies were taken away from them and they were sent back home and they just people just thought they disappeared. So it was a hospital for It was, young... it was horrific. Right. It, was, it was a horrific place where... People were sent against their will, um, babies taken away from them, and then they went back to their lives. And this is another thing with Irish women. A lot of women, actually, in general, secrets. You have to keep these secrets. Mm. Um, and it's actually, heavy in Ireland, though. Well, I remember a friend of mine, her mom told her, uh, God, in her older age, that she'd actually had a baby when she was, like, 18 that was taken away from her. Mm. And she'd never told anyone that. Mm. And it was, like, 30 years later, she said, like, somewhere she has a 48-year-old child. child. Um, and it's just these secrets that you're told that you have to keep uh, and it's crazy because women aren't weren't allowed to control their like look after their body at all mm. so you can't you can't use a condom mm. but if you get pregnant or if you're raped or if you know you're abused in any way you can't or be a single mother either you can't be a single mother you can't have the baby you can't be a single like so you're trapped you're basically trapped yeah. and then also you know like for a lot of girls if it's during sex it also should be a choice, and it wasn't a choice for mm. a lot of women. It was seen mm. as something that they had to do, um, and it's just crazy when you look back. I thank think, God it's changing. Thank God I'm also so privileged now. We all are in yeah. 2020 yeah. to have the choices to be able to do a podcast and talk yeah. about things like that. And yeah. even my mother was the youngest of 13 children. She had me out of wedlock. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, back in the 80s yeah. in Ireland. Yeah, um, that's amazing. It's crazy, and it's um, and it's mad to think. So my mom was. Um, Worked full, uh, worked full time until she retired. She was a civil servant. And even within the civil service in Ireland, it was only up until... I'm trying to remember exactly what year it was. But basically, if you... It was in my mom's time that if she had got married, she wouldn't have been able to stay in her career. Because if you're married, you couldn't be in the civil service. Wow. So... What is the thinking behind that? all these rules for women that just like... If you were married, not, you couldn't be in the civil service? Because yeah. what? Like you'd explode in your desk? Yeah. <laughs> 
it's crazy to think like that wasn't even that long ago when that happened. No, that is insane. Not being able to get mortgages, bank accounts, everything. Anyway, oh. things are much, much, much better today. And we are going to come back to some of yeah. these subjects we've been talking about because it has changed so much. I recently came on your... I don't even know how many times I've said vagina on the Laura Whitmore show. On I know, BBC. It was like... BBC on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I was like, vagina, vagina, vagina. Question five. It's not a dirty word, though. No, it's not. It's like your elbow, not. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, you said that, actually. It's like your elbow, but like, a little bit different to your elbow. Don't get them confused. <laughs> Question five. Research suggests that women with feminist thinking mm-hmm. have more orgasms with their male partners. Say that again. Research suggests that yeah. women with feminist thinking yeah. have more orgasms with their male partners. How do you measure feminist thinking? <laughs> That's the thing. I suppose the, the research was about women who aligned themselves with, with feminism. Okay. So if someone that puts their hand up and says, I'm a feminist, has more orgasms, and this is just with I, male partners. I actually would say yes, because I think, not a stereotype, if you've got feminist thinking, you are probably opening up a different conversation with your partner. I think there's a lot of women who have sex and don't tell their other half that actually that wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching an episode of Sex and the City and Miranda was talking about faking it. Yeah. It's like, how will they learn if you constantly fake it? Yes, exactly. And actually, women who are more open-minded about feminism definitely have more orgasm, are able to be more open with their partners. Of course, more orgasms doesn't necessarily equate better sex. But faking orgasms might mean a less enjoyable experience. They did loads of research into why women fake orgasms. One of the main reasons is not to upset your partner. Yeah. It's like, you know, just really kind of wanting the person to feel like they've done a good job. Yeah. And I think orgasms can be difficult to get to sometimes. Yes. And uh, I, it's so funny because I literally just watched, actually coming back from Cape Town, Sex and the City was on the plane. I watched an episode of it, and like an old one. And it was Miranda having this conversation that she just didn't want to make him feel bad. Yeah. But then it's it's like, is this going to be a long-term partner? You're going to be stuck in a relationship with somebody who yeah. Yeah. can't. Yeah fully fulfill you yeah I think one of the starting points also needs to be that women need to put more um, action into learning how to pleasure themselves because I think if you know how to give yourself an orgasm and don't carry any guilt or shame about masturbation then you can express it but I think really the starting point is learning how to uh, pleasure ourselves and also learning to like experiment yeah like even with with your partner say say, like with your boyfriend if if you know if you're a male partner um that women are learning too about men yeah. you know and men are learning about women so I think it's a constant with your partner it doesn't matter how many years you are together you're always your body's changing yeah. evolving your hormones are changing we yeah. need to constantly ask was that good for you you have to talk during you sex a girlfriend of mine recently said to me do you talk to your partner in sex and I was like yes of course yeah a bit to the left yeah <laughs> yeah whether it be, you know, whether it be kind of like quite um, invigorating sexy talk yeah. or whether it's just the basics, can <laughs> yeah. you do that instead, please? I don't want to do that. I'll in my left leg. <laughs> All I of just it. can't, you know. I mean, I think we're, we're the, the evolution of, of men and women is so exciting at the moment and, and, and just the communication is getting better and better. Yeah. And I really, as you know, hope that men listen to this podcast too so that they can be braver. And also partners. get better at sex too as well yeah. if they listen to it. Learn a thing or two. So important. Meg Matthews just told me that you're more likely to get a promotion at work if you have an orgasm. If you have regular orgasms. I can see that. It kind of changes your mindset though. Yeah. You're more relaxed, you're yeah. you know, yeah. you've got a different energy. Yeah. I totally believe that. I'm putting I'm definitely putting 15 minutes aside every day. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got a four out of five right. In Did the, I? Yes, in the multiple choice. Well done, Laura. Oh, I'll take that, I'll take that. Just gonna throw five quick fire personal questions okay. at you. Go. Number one, brief or G-string? Brief. Say yeah. some more. Okay, uh, sorry, so a quick <laughs> I was like, uh, brief. Yeah, because I just, 
Sometimes it's like, it's too, it just hurts <laughs> because it's too far off. Yeah, I like a brief. I think it's more, do you know, my ideal is a French knickers. No, like a little bit in somewhere in between. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the French ones. But yeah. um, I've never really been a fan of G-strings. And I just don't think I suit them well. I've got a lot of ass. My, my ass just eats it up. Really? Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I'm just... And then you're like, ah, that's too much information, Well, no, it's not too much information. I just don't think it's true. I just, you know. Oh, no, yeah. No, it is. <laughs> okay. Brazilian or bush? Um, Brazilian, I think... Do you know what? I'm actually doing laser at the moment. Are you? Yeah, and I'm on... I'm actually going tomorrow. I'm on, like, session number eight. Right. Because I was like, I'm so busy, I don't have time to be keeping up this maintenance. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, get it sorted. Yeah. yeah. No, I like a Brazilian as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tampon or moon cup? Tampon. Um, I haven't actually used a moon cup yet. No. I, I had someone actually it was sent it to me, or was in a goodie bag or something because I have one at home, and it just scared me a little bit. Mm. And I'm actually okay with tampons, except the ones I put two in by accident. Did you? Yeah, I didn't realise until I took one out and there was another one in there. That's really bad. I know. No, I've done that before, but have did you? you find out at the same time? The, the, so when you I took, took one, one out, out and then, then there was still a yeah, stream, I do, oh I do that all the time I okay. go, <laughs> I'm a bit worried though like how many can I get up there it's like yeah, a game yeah so my friend Ashley B uses the period pants but I just that feels like a lot of maintenance I know it's yeah. probably better for the environment but like having to like wash it and you know yeah yeah and I, I, another thing just becoming self conscious of the tampon I just feel if I'm wearing a short dress like I still I feel that once a month I get my period and I don't want to have to wear big baggy trousers or a tracksuit like I would have still be able to live my life yeah. do my job yeah and if I want to wear a dress I'll wear a dress yeah. so for me a tampon has always felt well the super one until you told me <laughs> but like, I feel a bit more confident with it yeah than than probably the pants because you know the worst is thinking that you're leaking yeah the worst thing in the world even if do you ever just feel like oh my god I'm gushing I'm leaking and there's nothing there but yeah, in your but head have, yeah but I have actually also had that happen to me I was once on the King's Road and I'd only just changed my tampon yeah. and for whatever reason I think the body just decided like here we yeah, go yeah I think it's um it's a challenge sometimes if I've got a really heavy period I use both the towel and a, and a tampon I've done that before yeah. as well um, just yeah it's, keep it safe so bloody hard there's so many things to think about it's bloody hard and all, also this is what annoys me too it's the whole fact it's so hard to get tampons aren't like when you go to a hotel room and I travel a lot and I'm always staying in hotels mm. you go in you've got like a shower cap and you've got like your cotton buds and your no tampons and like a shoe shine or yeah. whatever there's never any tampons no I know never or when you land on um, uh, in the airport at baggage reclaim there should be tampons everywhere and free and free absolutely but especially everyone. places like that when you've been on a plane and I remember I was on a plane I had a tampon and it was a long haul flight and I was like I need to get another one and the, those machines don't work. They either you don't. No one has like two pounds on them anymore. Like no one has coins, um, or there's never any stocked in those toilets. Ones you should have tampons in a toilet. They should just be free for everyone. Everywhere. They should be like toilet roll. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that would help. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't be. And also, they shouldn't cost a lot. There's not much to them. Question four: Clitoral or G spot? <laughs> uh, I think the clitoris. That's are the his. best reaction the that I've had. <laughs> For me, I think, yeah, for me, I think, yeah, clitoris. Clitoral. Yeah. Good. But do you know what? Always, it can change. It can change. It can change. Yeah. They're very different orgasms. And right. last question, vibrator or vegetable? No! <laughs> what do you mean vegetable? <laughs> like a carrot. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, it's really weird. I am like, out of all my friends, I'm not a huge vibrator fan. Per, but just uh, Maybe because I've got a boyfriend, I just prefer like... <laughs> The hand, the, the cock, no, the yeah, yeah, his hand, yeah. <laughs> all of the above. 
Uh, and my friend got me like a small one, like a lipstick a, one. The bullet. The bullet. But mm. I was wasn't really. I was just like, it just felt like a tampon or something. Yeah, yeah, it just, yeah. Not, not, no, yeah, not really. No, for I me. feel the same way. I've never I used really a vibrator. Like sex. Yeah, me too. I, I don't I think vibrators for me. The idea of having something plastic or metal or hard against my vagina, it just doesn't do it for me. It's not, yeah. But although like, now I've heard about the promotion, now I understand that the more orgasms you have, the better, the better yeah. work goes. I'm actually thinking you, because Chloe Delavine told me it just makes it really fast. It's quite efficient. Okay. Get it over but and done. I, with. I don't know. I really like kissing, like just the kissing on the lips I, during sex. So Do I feel. Think, and does kissing take you towards? Because there, there are twelve different ways at least to have an orgasm, and one of them. The You're like Monica in, and Friends teaching sl- stuff. In in your sleep, uh, nip. Some people have an orgasm. Yeah. Through touching of the nipple. Yeah. Um, Having Does, sex in places you shouldn't. Yeah. Ah, Laura Whitmore. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> my fave. Both of them me anywhere. Love Island Villa. Yeah, <laughs> Love Island Villa. Because there's cameras there. There's cameras. There's no one place to not have sex. <laughs> um, I've really lost. I'm <laughs> sorry. 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 Three of there. Oops. No, I think I, I think I totally identify. <laughs> But yeah, so do you think that kissing is part of your yeah, kind of I, orgasm? Do you think that it is one of the ways it makes it more you, personal? Yeah, um, a connection with the person you're with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's maybe why I, vibrators have never really got me to the same level that when I have sex yeah. with someone. Yeah, because I just really like kissing. Yeah, during sex. Yeah, maybe it's an intimate thing, intimacy thing. Yeah, don't know. I actually love. Completely thrown by Laura Whitmore telling me. Sorry. I'm now trying to work out where would it be? Where would it be? <laughs> you and Ian are um, actually what I, one of the things that I've really loved about um, you and work is that you're both being so open. And, and, and I, it's one of the things that I love most about you, Laura, over the last few years. Um, I've seen and read, you, read articles that mm. you've written or, or interviews with you where you have been um, really open and sensitive and exposed yourself about things that have happened to you mm. as a woman and I and I really admire that about you I think it, it took me a while to get there especially when I started my career and started on MTV and I also even with Ian like we've been together three years now we're like we're still consider ourselves quite private about our relationship but we've been together longer and, and we feel like we can control it more not after this podcast after this podcast <laughs> true <laughs> give me too much details about Ian but um I, yeah, I, I kind of feel like you don't, when you're in a relationship, sometimes, especially if you're in the public eye, people think that they have a right to it. Mm. And it's very important to keep something to yourself. Mm. Um, you know, no one really knows what goes on behind closed doors or what your relationship mm. is. And because, um, you know, even doing Love Island together, even though meaning like we're technically never on screen together mm. or anything like that. But um, it kind of, it, it did scare me a little bit because although... I'm open and honest. There's a part that I'm allowed to keep for myself. Yeah, 100%. Um, and the only reason I probably started talking about things a little bit more, be it with how women are treated in the press, be it, you know, Gina Martin, who helped bring in the um, uh, upskirting, upskirting bill, yeah. um, was because things like that happened to me and I kind of thought it was just me and then I realised it was other women as well. And then I thought, hold on, if I... How can change happen if I'm not willing to reveal a little bit about myself? Because you had that awful experience in a nightclub, didn't you, a few years ago, where a man felt that he had the right to touch your ass. I think, sadly, I think we've all had that experience, which is shit, like to some degree. I'm sure you've had similar situations. Definitely when I was younger. I can can sort of say that post 40, it tends to like calm down a bit, which is nice. I'm really enjoying it. But definitely from a very, very young age. We've all been there, and it's that you can't. I remember just being so 
angry. I remember when I was, I think I mentioned this in an article I wrote, but when I was 16, going um, to a bar with my older cousin, who was like my big sister, mm. and um, this guy like smacked my arse mm. and like walked on or something, made a comment. And my cousin grabbed him, brought him back, like put him against the wall and made him apologise to me. And that one single moment has stuck with me through life. Um, because I think sometimes that happens to you. And it's that fear going, God, if I say anything, like... Will it be actually speaking about um, Enemy Wars last night, the incident that happened with Catherine Ryan and Slow Tie, that, you know, if you if you kind of say back, will they become more aggressive to you? Mm. And there is that fear. Um, I remember when the guy, he wasn't even slapping the arse, he kind of put his hand up my skirt. And I was so in shock, mm. I didn't say anything. Mm. It took me a minute or two to, and mm. then he was gone. And mm. I was so angry at myself mm. for not reacting quick enough but I was literally in shock I didn't know, you didn't know I didn't what know what to do on. I just did I, yeah it just took me a well, also, second well also you thought maybe it was your partner. well I thought I thought it was easy why how could you ever imagine that someone would, would do, do that, that yeah and it was just a bit insane and I was I, I think I was angry with myself for not doing something so I thought maybe speaking about it mm. and saying that that's not okay because I've seen it happen to younger girls with guys slapping and they giggle and stuff and you're like actually it's not okay it's not okay it's yeah. your body and um, you have a right to say something without feeling threatened this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. Yeah, and you also um, were very open about having a miscarriage. Yeah, last year. Yeah, so I wrote. I wrote that last year. I, it took again. It took me a while to. I wasn't in a place to write about it or talk about it when it happened. I think mm. it was a year later, um, and it was it was a different circumstance because I I just wanted to be as honest, and I didn't want to be talking about. You know, I've had I have friends who've been trying for kids mm. for a long time, mm. and had miscarriage after miscarriage, and mm. then I didn't. I, we weren't trying, and I got pregnant mm. and I didn't even know am I in a place to have a child now and I had all these emotions and then suddenly your head thinks okay well we can do this and then it's taken away from you and I wasn't in the stereotypical trying for a baby but there was other things that I had to deal with and I again I was right had to write for a publication back in Ireland um, and I kind of felt I needed to use that platform to write about something important well you will have helped lots of women i think and i and, I, and one of the things that i i had a miscarriage a few years ago and i and I, I every woman i've talked to yeah mika like every woman yeah i don't think i've met a woman 
when I've had said that to them, they've said, and they haven't, yeah. and they haven't said I've had yeah. miscarriage too. I think one of the things that doesn't actually get addressed enough as well is that that I don't know if this was your experience, but mine was that my hormones kept going. Mm. So actually, the months after having a miscarriage. And I think this is also true if you have a termination. Yeah. The body continues, yeah. for, for about a month or so, continues to send out the hormones yeah. as though you were pregnant. Yeah. So actually, I think after the time is very confusing. So not surprising you couldn't really all write about it. And you specifically said you didn't really know what you were meant to feel. I didn't know was I supposed to be sad or... Because I was sad. But then a few weeks before it happened, when I found out, I was like, oh, I don't... I was shot I didn't because we weren't planning it I was like what do I do now so it's really mixed emotions do I feel guilty um and even with me what happened was um I think it was like 10 weeks or 11 weeks and there was no heartbeat but I didn't actually have a miscarriage it was a missed miscarriage yes, which means your body doesn't know that you're not pregnant anymore mm. so that means that I I didn't bleed or anything like the fetus so was still there so I had to take these tablets and the doctor this guy said to me if you take the tablets you can either go into hospital mm. and you can have they say a dnc yeah. it just all sounds so clinical um uh or you can take the tablets at home and i kind of wanted to be at home mm. and he said it'll be over in a few hours and that's all bullshit it's <laughs> because so not it took me it. days it took me it? days and it was the most painful it's thing horrendous. i've ever been and no one tells you that and it was literally like my body was going into labour. Yeah. I took it and I think they told me they put me on the tube to get home. By the time I'd got you to South it, Kensington... You took it before... They, they made me take it. I can't remember, I can't remember where I was, actually. Because um, this is just kind of like triggering the memory talking yeah. to you. But I took it. They made me take it in the clinic. They made me. And then I and then I got and I got off the tube and I and someone had to, had to carry me home. Yeah. I mean, I was literally bowled over in pain. I can't... Because I, I was told to take it at home when I got a day off. Yeah. Um, why do they? Why are they not honest about it? It's crazy because I remember thinking I was doing the MTV Awards the following week, and I was like, I, I, I don't want to have, have. I need to have this sorted beforehand. That's how my head was working. Like efficiency, Laura. How do I like need a day? Got a day off. I'll sit at home, take mm. the tablets. Mm. Next day I'll be fine. Mm. I, I mean, it must have been four days later. I was still bleeding, mm. and I'm and not, heavy bleeding as and well. And heavy, and also you like you don't know what you'll see or what I you don't know. see. And it's really horrible experience. I just feel I wasn't told enough what was going to happen. Mm. Um, and then my um, other half was actually he had a job. And he's like, oh, do, I need to, do you want me to stay with you? And I was like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll just be at home. And I think he was like, if I had known, like, yeah. how bad it was, I would yeah. have stayed with you. Yeah. Um, but also, like, in a funny way, so you've had the experience, I've had the experience, but, and, and obviously, uh, we're not, uh, we're friends, but yeah. we, we don't hang out yeah. loads outside of work. But I'm sure that other female friends of mine would have been through it. But no one had ever you. told me. Like, yeah. Like, so, I mean, hopefully this podcast will get, you know, if you're listening, don't not, don't not use yeah. the pill if you need to, but be prepared. Be prepared yeah. for it. Do you, um, were you active in the, in the, in the fight to make abortion legal in Ireland? Yeah, um, repealing the Eighth Amendment. I, uh, yeah, and it was such a long, ongoing process and also crazy because I kind of look back at growing up in Ireland and I went to a convent mm. and I remember as a kid going past Leinster House, which is um, where the government sits, and always seeing these... There was always someone outside, um, like, anti-abortion um, campaigners with these pictures. And I remember as a kid seeing these pictures of babies and fetuses, mm. and, like, abortion is killing. And so in my head growing up, that's what I thought, because that's, that's what I went to a Catholic school, mm. and I saw these images everywhere. And it was only as I got older... And I realised about pro-choice. Mm. And I realised 
what women, Irish women, have for years suffered with. I was actually a friend of mine, I didn't know at the time, who had basically at a party drunk and she still doesn't really know what happened, but there was an, in, you know, she woke up in bed with a guy mm-hmm. and she ended up being pregnant mm-hmm. and she had to get the boat to, to the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, well, people will find a way. People will find a way, but just as a young girl by herself, who mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of money, had to go there. And technically, the law in Ireland at the time said, if she was caught, she could be imprisoned. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Because it's against the law. Even if she'd come here to do it? Yeah, and then come back because it's... It's, you can't, because that happened, that was a case before with a, a young girl. I didn't even know the story, the rape case. No. It was a very young girl. This was okay. actually years ago. Okay. There was a very young, I think called the X case. Yes. And um, she was raped, but because it was in court and stuff like that, like obviously people knew she was pregnant, but they wouldn't let her have an abortion. Yeah, even though they had proof saying that her mental state, it would mean, like, it's affected her mental state that she could end up committing suicide. Thank God it's changed. But I just, I can't believe it's taken... That long. Did the matriarch align in your family? So mm. you you were talking about how almost you you didn't know that there was an option just because of the strength of the teachings around sex and abortion in your yeah. schooling. Yeah. Did did your mother and your grandmother uh, believe that? Uh, were they anti-abortion? Yeah. No, so I think my mom was very ahead of her time because mm. she was, you know, she, she was a working single mother and I was, like, the only one in school whose parents weren't together. Mm. Um, so my granny, like, my granny passed away when I was quite young, when I was three. Um, and my mom was the youngest of 13 children. So even, I think, the fact that my mom had me at a wedlock was probably a no-no back then. And my mom and my, my dad is in my life. But, um... Remember my mom saying, oh, those people thought that I should marry your father. Because they've been together for years. But she's like, we we were friends. We weren't in love. That's and amazing. My mom was really, like, my mom's so really good friends with them. was like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to get she on. She bought her own house when I was two. No. She, That's like, worked amazing. her arse off. And uh, so I think I, I think my mom and growing up in that household, I was very much, you can kind of have it all. You can work, you can have a kid, you can do it on your own. And um, lucky that my father, like, he did have me every second weekend. And he's been very supportive. And, and, um... And very encouraging. And also, I feel like I'm teaching him things as well. I remember when, uh, annoyingly, because I've lived in the UK over seven years, mm. I can't vote um, oh, in Ireland. Right. I can vote over here because I pay my tax right. here. But um, I wasn't allowed vote when they were trying to repeal the Eighth Amendment right. um, to allow for pro-choice and to allow for um, abortion. Um, but you supported it on social. But I supported it. Yeah, and I remember me- I messaged my dad and my two half-brothers mm. and on the family group. And my dad is, he's a great man, but he sometimes is like, what's the point in voting? Do you know what I mean? No one listens to you. And I just said, I can vote. Please vote for me. And I just said, yeah, it was was, we kind of did this campaign of like, be my yes. Um, And I, yeah, and I just said, I know this probably doesn't affect you. Because like, sometimes with men, they don't think, not saying all men, but it's like, it's not really affecting them the same way as a woman and her body, because mm. her body is her choice. Mm. It does affect men, obviously, to some degree. And I just said to my brothers, and I know they don't normally vote, but they vote, they vote. said that I will vote. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So in your family home growing up, um, one of the things that I find really interesting, so so my fa- my background is Irish. I've got... Um, oh, the best my, ones are. Yeah. <laughs> my mother was born here, but yeah. my, my grandmother was born in Ireland and came over to work as a nurse in this country during the war. Oh, wow. And I've got uh, a big uh, family from, from that, that generation. Yeah. So my mum uh, only had my brother and myself, but my grandmother had six children. Yeah. Which is actually 11. quite small. Yes, yes. I know. Because like, uh, yeah, so my... 
actually my my mom is the youngest of 13 my dad is the youngest of two because my actually my granny i only found out like my actually i called her nanny before she passed she had loads of miscarriages i only found out wow in time because yeah because i was like oh my nanny always only had two kids which is actually quite small back then yeah. considering there's no contraceptive pill but it turns out she just had lots of miscarriages right so and but within your family one of the things that i'm really interested about is um so my mum was very active. I, I mentioned that I went to see uh, Miss Behaviour last yeah. night, which is about the women um, taking over the Miss World in, in 1970. My mum was part of the, the women's liberation movement in the 70s, heavily involved in it. And still we didn't talk about sex. And mm. still we didn't really talk openly about things. And everything that you've just shared with me about who you are today. Yeah. Like, I'm really interested in, as Irish women with Irish heritage, um, and you've touched on this about sort of the secrecy and stuff. So yeah. my mum was someone who had vagina examining workshops in my family home and yet I still couldn't talk to her about sex. Yeah, I'm probably because the, the sh- yeah, and I and I'm really curious to know where you think it comes from. Like what is it? I think the British are pretty closed and private. Yeah. But when you come to the Irish it becomes and and maybe it's to do with the Catholic Church and, and I think I think it's also to do with so I could cross you um to do with the mother daughter relationship as well. Sometimes the people who are closest to you it's harder to talk. Yeah. To things about. Yeah. It could be an Irish thing too, but my mum was very open, but I wouldn't have really talked to her about sex at all. Did you talk to your girlfriends about sex at school? Yeah, it was, yeah, at one group. There was a group, so I was a bit of a nerd at school, right? Mm. So, like, we quite liked Oh, that's why you would have been interested in the gland from our quiz. (laughs) I love that. I'm like, I I would not have been interested. I I find that really interesting. (laughs) I actually loved biology. But, um, yeah, so I had, like, one group of friends who I wouldn't really have discussed that at all. Actually, it was when I it was when I went to university right. at seventeen, and I, a group of friends who I'm still to this day really good friends with. But that's what opened me up me to this other world. Because at, at secondary school, we didn't really talk about. It. I went to no. a girls' school anyway. I was right. really petrified of boys, so I didn't lose my virginity until I was in university. Right. Um. And that's probably that group of friends is when we. I was like, oh my God, we can talk about these things. I know, I remember go, turning up at Leeds University and there was a girlfriend that was in the flats that I got put in, you know, like yeah. um, the residential and she was yeah. putting condoms on a beer bottle and I was like, this is outrageous. Yeah. We were all so private at school, we didn't so, talk about anything. Yeah, we didn't talk about anything at all. And I lived with actually, um, who were my really good mates, uh, two gay men as well. And I, I just felt like it just opened me up to, we just talked about everything. Right, right. Um, yeah, we all lived together. There's five of us in this one little flat. We've all heard each other have sex. It was all like, it was just, it was brilliant because it was just so eye-opening. I was like, oh my God, we don't have to do, it's that secrecy. Yeah. That secrecy that so many people just live with secrets and don't talk about things, which everyone's doing. It's really, I don't know what it is though with the, with the, so my family, my mother actually had a different dad to uh, her brothers. Yeah. So she has, um, still alive today, five brothers, my uncles, and um Actually, my, my mother was born to a, an American soldier who was here during the war. Wow. And when my grandmother went back to join him, yeah. he was already married. <gasps> so, um, uh, and she was taken, my mother was taken away mm. from my grandmother and sent back to Ireland because and, and, she couldn't be a single Irish yeah. Catholic mm. woman with a, you know, with a baby. Yeah. And my grandmother then married another man very quickly um, who raised my mum. My mum was brought back. But my family didn't know this until my mother passed away. And the, the kind of levels of shame around um, around sex. I think it is really well, to do I, with sex. The I, fact that you've had sex with someone that isn't actually able to marry you somehow. I um, I did that show, Who Do You Think You Are? Did um, you? Yeah, and I, went, I was back in Ireland kind of retracing my family. And my granddad, 
they don't know who his father is, but they do. So basically my, uh, we don't really know who his father was because he was uh, conceived out of wedlock. And there's like a few men it could be. Mm. But I think his, so basically my great granny got pregnant. Um, she wasn't married. Because my uh, her mother was so strong, she actually kept the child and raised them herself. Wow. But a lot of women, as I said, would go to the Magdalene yeah. laundries or would have you know gone somewhere else. But also her other sister at 19 got pregnant by a man. Because if you think about it, 19-year-olds having sex is not a strange thing. But, the but there's, no, there's no contraceptive pill or there's no condoms. So of course they're going to get pregnant. And then if, they're, if the... Um, they don't get married or imagine getting married to the first person you've had sex with do, do, you know it's just and, and then a lot of them the babies are taken away but my um great granny's mother it's kind of confusing she like took the kids in and raised them herself amazing. so there was no really men in the house amazing and she was like doing all that herself but to this day like i remember talking to an elderly relative going like we don't really know who the fathers were but she said everyone knew who the fathers were. So it's a small town. Everyone knew who the dad was, but no one talked about it. So there was a man living down the road, and that was his kid, but he didn't talk about it or do anything about it. That's so insane. It's just the secrets, the secrets they had to live with. Secrets and lies. People knew. People knew things, but they just didn't talk about it. Mm. It's crazy. Well, I think what's really exciting is that you're such an amazing representation of openness. And um, one of the things that I loved that I read recently from you was really honest of you. Um, I didn't read the article (laughs) it really touched me I didn't read the article but it really touched me and the headline was that you were admitting that you judged some of the women oh the times yeah I just saw the headline and I just thought okay that's my girl crush on what completed (laughs) I was asked a question I did an interview with the times last week and they were were talking about the articles I've written and you know coming from MTV and coming from this background in Ireland and a journalistic background and a newsroom and then um, doing Radio Show 5 Live and um, they're like why would you do Love Island then and, you know that kind of, and she was lovely she was just kind of asking the question just to kind of get me to see what my response would be why would you do Love Island and I get that quite a lot even do Ian, Ian was saying like, why would you like Love Island you know you get asked that question why would you do a show like that and I'm like have you watched that show and I think a lot of us can prejudge people Yeah. and I definitely before I watched the show would have been like, oh, it's just some, you know, airheads and bikinis. And then you watch the show and you get to know the people and you're like, that's not what it is. Well, it's a study of social anthropology as yeah. well. I mean, I think it's actually really fascinating. Brianie Gordon's on a WhatsApp group with like Leonard Dunham. Oh, that, I know um, that group. Scarlett, yeah. are you on it? No, but... Um, I, I want to be on it. I'm like, where do you I get was out with Ash- Scarlett Curtis. Yeah, Scarlett's on it. Um, Jonathan Ross. Because yes. I was out with Ashley B who's on it. And she was like, I need to take a picture of you for the group. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a strong group. But I think that they're really enjoying it. I mean, I'm sure that there is... Um, I mean, I suppose my point about it is these are people who have voices, um, who, who are often quite are activists, mental, yeah. one is a mental health activist. And they come, from is, they come from different backgrounds. People have different voices, different vocabulary yeah. because of where they come from and how they grew up. And you yeah. shouldn't prejudge someone on that. Not everyone had the same education and learned the same dialogue. I just want to touch on um, <laughs> the film that you wrote. Oh, yeah. Which I, I've watched... Um, as, as we became friends, I found yeah. out you'd done it and you sent me a copy of it. And it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. And um, can you just tell me a bit about how that came about? Yeah, it came about... I met a director called Arjun Rose through a actor friend of mine, Robert Sheehan, years ago. Years and years ago. And we wanted to do something together, but we didn't know what. And with life, something always happens. And, you know, I was on MTV and doing I'm a Celebrity. And I was never really in the one place long enough. And then, in the end, about two years ago... 
we said, let's do something together. Um, and I kind of, it's when I start writing again mm. and being a little bit more... Is it the first script you've written? I wrote a few plays and stuff back in Ireland when I was younger, but it was the first screenplay. Mm. Um, and, and the first thing that you've actually kind made, of got over and actually, line. And made. Yeah, well yeah. done. Well it's, done, it's such, isn't it? I, I, I was listening to a podcast, this brilliant guy called Blind Boy, who does a podcast who I love, and he says, success is not the outcome, it's the finishing the journey. So if yeah. you say, I'm going to do something, yeah. you say, I'm going to make this film, yeah. it's not even how good the film is, yeah. even though I think it's good, yeah. but it's... I said I'm going to do something and I did it. Yeah. So that's what success is. And it's brave as well. Is. I just wrote an article for Red Magazine about the podcast and I was just yeah. thinking about how scary it was to uh, create this podcast and that the week before it launched I was, you know, I mean, I think putting yourself out there mm. as a human being, particularly as a woman, um, and saying I'm going to... Uh, uh, right. mm, yeah, I, and so many people want to write. So many yeah. people actually get stuck at the point where the fear... A lot of Overrising. people are currently writing something, but yeah. you know, it's like when you actually get actually it done. Actually making it done. Uh, and I think with this piece, also I was, you know, I had just, I'd done a play um, that I went on tour with for six months, and then it was, I was kind of going into the acting world, still trying to balance the presenting and stuff, but I, I came from a drama background, and I, I was getting asked to audition for a lot of roles that were the blonde girl mm. or the glamorous girl, because people would see me on a red carpet, which is a, like a small percentage of what I do. Um, and I was like, I just want to play a different role. And I said, I am going to write the role that I want to play because I'm not going to get offered this. And it is a I... phenomenal role, and it's a and it's a very it's a very female oriented film. I yeah, I, I, I think. Um, yeah, she's... and it was a, it was a, to- it was a girl Claire, and it's a lot of struggles, but it's and also you know the guy who I, I was against was, was incredible. Um, uh, and against opposite, but he we weren't fighting all the time. <laughs> uh, but it was very you know there's a lot of. Str- like it took a lot out of me when we were recording that um, and were you playing me, a young mother playing a young mother and struggling with, with and even looking using stuff that I've come you know in touch with in my own life with social media and comparing yourself online and what you should be doing or how you should be feeling or what people think you should feel um, and I also wanted to play this part just for myself it was more like a therapeutic thing and then we made it and initially when I did it it was like okay if it's shit, I'm just gonna have to show anybody. Yeah. Um, but then we we end up putting it into it's gonna do the festival rounds this year, but we put it into a, a London festival and, and one. And there's a Rod Hubbard, who's an incredible casting agent, who's you know cast huge things, and I won the acting award for that. So yes, for you me, did. I was like, holy fuck. And <laughs> for me, was, not that awards are important, but I know you're nominated as well. But you know, Tonight. It, it was I was for me, it was just it was nice having struggled with kind of getting offered these very samey roles mm. um, and the blonde girl or being, yeah. even in uh, as a presenter being, you're the girl or you're the blonde girl. Or I remember when I first did BBC Five Live and I got a tweet saying, oh, why have you got some young airhead on the radio show? And I was like, you haven't even, like you, you listen to my voice about, you know, you, you think I'm, because I'm younger than other people on the network and I'm female, you've just immediately put me into a, it's terrible the judgment box. that happens with what you look like. Yeah. I think Gwyneth Paltrow gets it a lot too and I'm a massive fan of what she's doing with yeah, people and it. I think that she gets judged. But sometimes I think it's good because people underestimate you and you yeah. can kind of get more done yeah. in some ways. Yeah. In the film, um, your character is really struggling with, with young, early motherhood and yeah. you just mentioned about uh, that one of the things you, you drew on was like the, what I would call compare and despair. Yeah. 
So I think that um, I don't have children, but I know that most of my girlfriends are completely and utterly thrown by what it, the reality of it versus what they think it's going to be. Yeah. Do you feel frightened about having children for that reason? I mean, you yeah. mentioned the, the getting dog. Mick out the door. I mean, yeah, even having a dog feels like I've got a child. Um, and it's great where we are here today recording. They allow dogs because there's a lot of places that don't allow dogs. Thank you, the court. Thank you to the court because normally I'm like, sitting outside somewhere in the rain having food because I can't go into the place. But um, yeah, I think we're constantly... It's a, it's a constant... Um, kind of evolution I'm at the stage now in my 30s where like my friends around me are having kids mm. and it definitely changes it it, it looks less scary mm. but also it looks more scary in a way because I see them going oh, like, oh you look like you haven't slept <laughs> do you remember the days when you know you used we to wear to, mascara yeah yeah um um but I think it's also um really encouraging as well because I do see my friends doing so much I did a photo shoot on Tuesday mm. um with an incredible um a photographer Billy and uh, she had a four month old baby there and she I actually put up a, a story she literally had the baby in one place and she was rocking the baby with her foot and she was on the laptop and no then taking way. pictures that's so cool and she was like I hope you don't mind the baby's here I was like oh my god I love it because this is so encouraging for me yeah. to see that and you feel safer and you, yeah and you oh, and also it's hard like she's like you know it's hard mm. she's like not only she got her equipment she's got the kids and like the equipment for the kid like and all the stuff that comes with having a baby but um, I definitely feel the story is changing of what it means to be a working mom compared mm. to what my mom had to deal with. Say, mm. well, your mom sounds amazing though. Like she actually was was would have been rocking the 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 yeah the baby just, with her foot while I working. I remember anyway. like at, for grow, like growing up, I just remember my mom being tired a lot. Mm. I remember on a Friday we'd watch a film on the sofa and she'd always fall asleep. And she always said her one regret was she was too tired to play with me as oh. much as she'd like to. Do you remember that? Not really, to be honest. No. Mm. And and for anything that I feel I might have missed out on that my mom wasn't able to pick me up from the school gates, it has she has given me so mm. much more in my work ethic. I definitely think something's gone right because you're <laughs> an incredibly healthy young woman, I uh, think. Yeah. Good times. Really Even the day after the enemy awards. I know. Thank you so much for coming today. I think we've run out of time, oh, but I've got but one more question for yeah, you. Yeah, go for it. Which is if your vagina could talk today, what would it say? I think my vagina would say, thank you for making me happy. Yes! Because I think I treat it well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, in those private places. <laughs> Laura Whitmore, thank you well, so thank much you, for Mika. coming on The Happy Vagina. That was amazing. And I think that you, um, in your openness and braveness of sharing about everything that goes on for you, will be changing women's lives. And I hope you know that in your heart. Oh, thank you for doing the podcast yeah. and giving us a platform. Thank you. Thank Happy you, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found the episode enlightening and empowering. And a mega thank you to our sponsors today, eBloggers. eBloggers, for all your favourite luxury high street and beauty brands with up to 70% off. And we are giving you an extra 20% off the already unbelievable prices when you use the discount code HAPPYVAGINA20 at the checkout. That's HAPPYVAGINA20. So get shopping at www.ebloggers.co.uk eBloggers.co.uk Happy Valentine's!